Do you know what amuses me more than any other art form? Acting. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Fired Podcast. I'm the guy in charge around here, and today I wanted to delve into my thoughts on acting and the metaphors that it applies to my life and to the lives of others. <sighs> Let's get cracking. Aida cracking. <laughs> Every time I crack my knees or something cracks or I talk about crack, I smoke crack, I always talk about Aida cracking. Just from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, if you don't get the metaphor. The quote, not the metaphor. But metaphors is what I wanted to talk about. You see, I'm definitely not an actor. (laughs) One of the great things that's allowed me to have a lot of success in my business and just in any career path that I've taken is my authenticity. I, I recently got told by someone that, you know, like my whole stance and ability to talk to people and you know customer service and everything that I've done it's very unique it's very unique and the reason for that is I don't try to be somebody I think a lot of people get into customer service and they learn the script hi how you going what can I get you do you need a bag thank you these kinds of things I never fucking tried to learn the script. And this goes all the way back to high school for me. In fact, even before high school, I got to be in a... uh, So to give you some context, the church group, which my uh, older siblings were involved in the youth group. And so in the youth group, they'd always do plays for Easter and Christmas. And I was a little bit too young still to be in the youth group, but I always looked up to the older kids and wanted to see what the older kids did, right? And they were doing a workshop thing day at my parents' house where I lived, right, when I was a kid. So I uh, asked the the leader of the, you know, the, the guy who was running the whole thing if I could be in it is I was a little bit too young, but he basically turned to me and said, you know, if you want to do this, you can you can do it. I'm happy to have you on board or whatever. And then I shook his hand and he said, welcome aboard. It was a really good moment for me, right? But what was interesting was I just joined like that day and <laughs> it was my older brother who basically was playing the lead. It was a Christmas carol, and he was Ebenezer Scrooge, which was great because he was a grumpy motherfucker, and everyone knew it. <laughs> uh, some things have changed there. He's probably a little bit chilled out, more chilled out these days, but he can be a grumpy fucker when he wants to. <laughs> and then so what they decided was, because we all looked similar, that my other brother would play a slightly older version of Scrooge, right? So if you remember the whole thing around you know, the ghost of Christmas past. He goes when he's a little boy in school and then he goes when he's a little bit older and he's, you know, uh, gets broken up with from the girl or whatever, right? 
So my brother played the slightly younger version and I played like the, the, the schoolboy uh, Scrooge. So I actually got the kind of the lead part, but not really the lead, but the same character as the lead in, in a, you know, an older, uh, like a, in the flashback, I suppose. So I actually, that was my first acting ever. I, and we would do that twice a year. We would do an Easter play and a Christmas play every year. I don't know if they still do them, but it was something we had to do. And so the ability to act in that kind of stuff, I got to do at a younger age. Um, and to the point that I never really got worried about performing in front of lots of people. Fast forward to drama in high school and, uh, I was in the drama class and it was funny because there was a performance that we were doing and we did it at this big theater and everything. We had to practice for months and months. It was basically like a full semester's worth of work. So six months worth of work in preparing for and that was like the final you know that was the that was essentially the exam if you like that was our big performance at this uh, big uh, theater and we were you know doing uh it, it was essentially a competition like we were competing against other schools and so our one i think from memory i had the only line that didn't there wasn't a line I had this little section with this little monologue bit where there was never a written thing. Everyone else needed, like, well, what am I saying? And it was written down and they read it and they memorized it and then they said it every single time. I just kind of knew roughly what I had to say and I was just like, cool, I'll just make it up. And I did that from the very first one. And then so I kind of just made, I just improved it every single time until we were practicing on the actual stage that we were performing on doing like a sound check, if you like. And <laughs> during the sound check, the fucking, our drama teacher cracked it at me from the back of the thing while we're doing the sound check. He's like, what the fuck? What's your line? Can you fucking decide on a line and shit? And I was like, there was never a line. Like I just fucking had to make it up. So then I had to like get really conscious about, hold on, what, what, what is my action here? What, what is my character trying to say? <laughs> you know? So I had to then come up with something and then sort of make a decision on it. And so that's a really interesting lesson in itself, right? Some parts of life require you to be an improv brain where you just go with the flow and see what happens and, you know, do your best. And other times you kind of need to make a decisive decision and, and really commit to something. And I think being able to flow between those two states is really helpful. So how does this apply to everyday life? Well, you see, going back to the whole custom performance thing, like I quickly realized, that, and it wasn't something that anyone ever taught me. I just, I didn't like customer service. Like I wanted to do a better job than kind of everyone was doing. They were just like, hi, how are you going, this and that. And I was just like, no, our job is to be nice to people. Like we want to, you know, we we've got to be, you know, we, we, we kind of want to make a difference in their life, like to a certain point, you know? And then I, I started to learn upselling, you know, it's like, this, so I worked at this fast food restaurant, right? So the whole idea was someone comes to drive through and it's like, okay, what can we add to the things that they've provided us? Okay. Can we add bacon to their wrap? Now, 
where I worked, the wraps were called flavors. And <laughs> my my boss at one point said something about, oh yeah, you can get them to add extra bacon to the flavor. It, you know, uh, add bacon to the flavor. It, you know, enhances the flavor of the flavor. And so I thought it was hilarious. So I started saying that to customers. Now he was just saying it to me as a joke because he'd like to think he was pretty fucking funny, right? <laughs> and so. I then, that became the thing. Like, that got a really good reaction from people. People really loved it. To the point that I had a friend of mine who was at McDonald's, uh, which I didn't work out. She was just there. She was eating food and she heard these guys talking about it at McDonald's. Like, oh, the other day when I went through the drive thru at this Red Rooster place, this fucking kid was asking me about the bacon, the flavor. It was, it was being fucking silly. It made a difference enough that they were talking about it somewhere else that one drive through thing how often would that ever become a conversation anywhere else it's such a standard rinse and repeat bullshit thing you would never it's it's never we would never come across but because i did something different because i did something different than the standard it now became a part of someone else's life a topic of conversation and so we had to do these modules online as part of the training for that job. And I noticed when they were talking about upselling, they would use words like a juicy, sweet piece of corn. And they put it in bold. And I was like, oh, wow. I see what I, they never said. Make sure you use these adjectives and sentence enhancers. And so no one ever did that. So I looked at it and went, oh, I like what they're doing here. I'm learning, right? And so I took that and I would would want to implant a vision in people's heads. So it's a hot day and I would make a decision and go, okay, what can I do with this upsell today? Because you've got to think about it, right? What was a corn worth? Probably like a dollar, dollar fifty. Bacon, maybe 50 cents extra, right? We're not, not, these aren't big dollars here. However, a dessert, like a little cheesecake or or a chocolate mousse, now we're in like $2.50 or something like that, right? Okay. Or an extra drink that might be an extra three, four bucks. Okay. Would you like a refreshing dessert today? Would you like an ice cold dessert today? Would you like to add a drink today? Keep you hydrated. I didn't want to follow the script to the point that I now get frustrated whenever I go through a drive-thru, which isn't that often these days. I generally eat pretty well, but I definitely had a phase. <laughs> I definitely had a big drive-thru phase. And then we went into lockdown and then it became, <laughs> it became the Uber Eats phase. Uh. So I go through a drive-thru and... They're not interested in talking to you. It's a transaction. It's transactional. It's... Yep, was that, was that a meal? Yep, was that large? Coke for the drink? Anything else? Yep. Uh, yeah, um, I might add an apple pie. Yep, anything else? It's like they're trying to hurry you up. Now, <clears throat> I love to give credit where credit is due because I'm fucking lucky. 
okay? That I didn't just work for someone who just wanted to get the, the people out the door, okay? The people I worked for, right, they're actually pretty smart in some ways. Franchisees, you know, they, they took it on board and it was a combination of both the franchisee and the area manager who taught me a little life lessons early on. And they started talking about this thing of slowing the orders down, which sounds backwards, right? It doesn't sound like something you would normally do. Fast food and they're slowing it down? What does that even mean? And I don't ever see this used anywhere. And interestingly enough, they also did a couple other little things like they would... They would tell you to go sit down if they were eating in and you'd bring it to them on a tray. That would never happen at a lot of these restaurants, these fast food places. They don't want you to sit down and they bring it out to you. It's not a restaurant. You wait at the fucking counter. These guys are like, no, no, I'll take a seat. We'll bring it out to you. That was how I was taught my very first fucking job. So this whole idea of slowing the orders down, right? So normally what happens, a lot of cars in the drive-thru, a lot of people come in the store, people start to freak out. We're now going into high beta waves. Okay, rush, 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 rush. Next customer, next customer, next customer, next customer. Here's the thing. This isn't like, you know, McDonald's or these places which have got a lot of automations and systems. We're running on limited staff here. We don't, we don't make the money that competes with these other fucking places, right? So here's what we do. The kitchen only has a certain amount of food that they can make at a time, okay? And our goal, our speed of service for uh, lunch and for dinner rush needed to be above 80%, okay? Ideally, it would be above 90%. We want to get rid of high numbers. But speed of service, what we see in 90% is, is all, 80% or 90% of all orders need to be served off, like gone out the door within three minutes. And some things take two minutes and 45 seconds to cook, so you don't have very long. And it starts from the moment they first start ordering to the moment they get the food in their hand. So how do we do it? Kitchen can only make a certain amount of food at one time. So let's not overload them. So they've always got a continuous flow. If we put up 400 million chips, they've only got four fry bays. They can only get a certain amount. Like there is a limit, a finite amount of chips they can cook at once. So what happens? Okay. Well, if we slow down how many orders come on a screen, they've always got a hopper full of chips. We can get them out fresh. We're not waiting 245 for chips to cook. Otherwise, we've already lost the game. Okay. So we slow down the orders we ask the customers for upsells so we're getting more money off them, increases our dollar per average order. We're also de- delivering a better quality customer service because we're not just rushing them. Yep, anything else? Okay, cool, done, next. It is slower. Yep, everyone gets a great customer experience. They're feeling really good. We're nice to them. We're all, they're all good. If it's a mystery shopper, we still get marked really well. And the food's going out. It's fresh. People don't mind waiting an extra 30 seconds, an extra minute if the food's fucking good. So this is what I learned. Slow it down. Deliver a better quality customer service. Don't follow the script. Slow it down. 
Yeah, would you? Yeah, of course. Would you like a fucking fried, sizzling piece of bacon on that fucking wrap of yours? You know? These little things. Don't follow the fucking script sometimes. What can I add? How can I do this? And the next part of that, right, which also comes back to improv, it comes back down to rapport. And this is something I really learned until a later job that I had uh, where I worked for a bank. And we used to answer calls from all around Australia. So you might be talking to someone in Tasmania who's freezing their tits off. It's snowing. The next call could be someone in Central Australia or top of Australia, and it's fucking hot. I literally said that. How, what's, the, what's the weather like in Central Australia today, mate? The answer... Oh, mate, fucking hot. <laughs> so what, how am I going to talk to that customer? I'm going to be very chill. I'm not going to try and use big words like, would you like to consolidate your personal loan today? I'm not going to fucking understand what that means. I'm going to talk to him on his level. However, if I'm talking to someone from Western Australia, affluent person, right? Probably got a bunch of frequent flyer cards, hundreds of thousands in the bank, you know, affluent guy, pretty well off, pretty wealthy, I'm going to talk to him very differently. I'm going to call him sir. I'm going to talk very intellectually to him. I'm going to be be very smart in how I speak and how I deliver the message. But I'm going to be a lot more relaxed than I'm talking to Joe Blow from Central Australia. Yeah, mate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Of course. Look, I'll definitely get that one organized for you, mate. Yes. And so... You might see that as acting or being fake, but here's the thing. It's actually not. It's being flexible. The law of requisite variety states the one who has the most flexibility has the most control. So you're being flexible and expressing all sides of yourself. If anything, it's more authentic. And I'm quickly going to lean into something I learned from Vin Jang. You guys don't know Vin Jang, you should go look him up. He's got a lot of stuff on YouTube and he's a smart dude. Especially recommend looking at the podcast or the, you can watch it on YouTube as well, interview between him and Cohen Ray. And this is where I learned that from. This is what he said. Not inauthentic, unfamiliar. Just Unfamiliar. When we express a side of ourselves that we're not used to, or maybe that other people aren't used to, it can feel a little bit weird. But is it inauthentic for you to go skateboarding if you've never skateboarded before? No, it's you trying something different. Are you going to, how I act when I'm skateboarding or on my one wheel, I should say, you know, if I'm out riding on that, I'm going to act in a certain way. I'm going to be in a certain mindset. If I'm playing golf or drinking tea, I'm going to be in a different one. Now, a skater person who drinks tea might sound a little bit like a strange combo, but we, we all have multiple sides to us. You know, when I'm out being rowdy with the boys, am I being fake? When I'm being quiet, talking to my grandmother, am I being inauthentic? Can both of those two things exist? Or should I show up to grandma like I'm rowdy hanging out with the boys going out to the town? Or should I show up 
going out on town like I'm having a quiet, quiet conversation with my grandma. We all have multiple sides. We all have multiple sides to us. And the ability to switch between those and know how to build connection and relate to people is one of the most powerful skills you can implement and practice in your life. And it certainly made a massive difference in my career, in any job that I've gone for. It's even made a difference in my business. It's one of those things that makes a massive difference. Not a lot of people talk about it. A lot of people do it unconsciously, don't even understand or realize that they're doing it. They're a little bit more natural. Others have to consciously practice it from time to time. That's okay too. That is far different to people that I see a lot on social media who, sh- oh, fucking up. Just running into shit over here. Far different from people who I see. A lot of people rock up on social media and I see it, I smell it straight away when they're being inauthentic. What I mean by that is they're putting on something. You can tell their smile isn't authentic, it's not real. They're smiling because they think if they smile on camera that they'll come off a certain way. To me, they look like idiots. It's not super important that you show up and that you show up online looking like someone who you think you should. It's so much more important to show up as you. That said, understand there's multiple parts of you. I say this to people sometimes and they don't get it. Yeah, but so why do you talk like that on social media? Like that, like when you show up on your stories, especially people who are promoting a product. You know, obviously I have a lot of people who follow me that are, you know, business leaders, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs, people creating, being content creators and, and so on as well. Well, that's just how I talk. So learn how to fucking talk better. If you're a snowboarder, and you snowboarded in front of me? Would you just say, well, that's just how I snowboard? Fucking learn how to snowboard better. So what, that's the pinnacle of how you are? Like you can't change it? Speaking's a skill. And the funny thing is when you talk to these people and you make them laugh and you get them rowdy or whatever, which I'm, I'm very good at doing because I'm pretty rowdy, uh, they express that side of themselves. And they go into this weird default bullshit setting. And they pull a phone or a camera in front of their face. They forget how to talk. Get in their own head. So the ability, right? The ability to not only improve how you speak, how you perform... And all the while, being authentic and still being you and being fully into whatever that part of you that you're expressing 
the combination of those two things and the ability to modulate those is one of the most important communicational skills and life skills that will be the thing that makes the difference. And people won't even know what it is. They'll just say, I, I don't know what it is. I just like that person. I get a good feeling about them. I have a good vibe about them. They're just very, sort of, very likable. There's a very likable character. I've said this before. My likability is one of the things that's gotten me so far in life. It's because I'm not trying to be someone. I'm just being me. What could you want more from someone than just being themselves? So that's what I mean when I say acting or improvisation. I'm not talking about following a fucking script or trying to be someone that you're not. Go and listen and watch interviews and learn from actors and people who are improv comedy people and and sketch comedians and so on. They're not playing a character. In those moments, they are that character. And they're expressing part of themselves through that character. And to the point that the performance is so believable... And it's so authentic because in those moments, they kind of are that person. They're embodying who that person is and how they would show up in that situation. And a lot of them use real life stuff where they're like, how would I show up in this situation? So all these lessons that I'm sharing from you know, past jobs and customer service and my experience in acting which isn't a lot. All of those little lessons are things that help me get where I am today and and they're valuable things that you can use in your everyday life. This was a really interesting episode. I've been able to go through a few different things that I've learned along my journey that aren't the typical things that I learned from a business coach or a mentor. I learned learned them from jobs that I did. And they helped me to be where I am now. And I'm so thankful for all these unsung heroes, the mentors that you don't hear about. I'm so glad that I still remember them. And I think of all of them regularly. All of my teachers in life. Who are your teachers in your life? Dwell on that one for me. Thanks for tuning in today. This was a fun little journey. And I appreciate you all being here. I had love and respect. 